Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> Sounds like you're in the process of pushing one out there, John. I didn't ever interrupt you on the toilet, did I? No, no, no. <laughs> Excited about all the good news in front of you. Yes. 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 Let me tell you a little story, John. Okay. I do this other show called uh, Brewing with Style, uh, the, yeah, a.k.a. Really? the Jamel Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, last time I was in here, you know, we were, we're using our olfactory senses. We're really digging deep into the beers and giving our best analysis. And anyway, I put on the headphones and I'm, I'm telling I'm telling Steve here. I'm like, Steve, I, I smell cologne. I smell like a really strong <laughs> cologne. Hey, you're not wearing cologne, are you, Steve? I mean, a lot of the porn guys do. Um, and... Uh, and he's like, no, no, it's not me. Uh, and uh, I'm just smelling it, smelling it, smelling it. On the drive home, I'm smelling cologne. By the time I get home, I smell cologne. I'm like, what? you know, I, the headphones, I, I rub my hands across my ears, put them in front of my nose, reeks of cologne. Just like, <laughs> oh, my freaking God. These stanky ass old headphones. So, so uh, I, I I tell Justin about it. I, next time I'm on the phone with Justin, I tell him about this. Not because I want different headphones, but because I want to see the reaction on his face when I describe this to him. Because I know he's going to freak out about how disgusting that is. Yeah. Because it's not the bacteria that you can't see or smell. No, this is... You this can is smell something. Odor. Right, right, and so uh, today he, sensitive to. he he brought me a brand new pair of <laughs> really expensive, really nice headphones, little carry bag with a drawstring. He's like, here, kind of like he's a like, purse. Don't leave. Yeah, it's like my man purse. He's like, don't leave this in the studio. Take it take, with you. Take this home with you. I like uh, so. I, I after ten years, I have a brand new pair of headphones, and I can't tell. Cannot tell you how. Glorious it is. I've actually got the volume turned down about, eh, you know, three quarters of what it normally is. I've got it cranked way down. I can hear every little last thing. Uh, there's no grease running down the sides of my head anymore. Oh. It's just, it's just lovely. <laughs> I'm very happy for you, my friend. <laughs> hey, it's the small things in life that make you happy. That's true. I keep telling my wife that. And uh, <laughs> you got to set a no cologne quite, policy. She doesn't here. quite believe it, but yes, a no. We have a no cologne policy now. Well, and you're doing a, a show where you're dealing with the, uh, you know, the aromatics, you know, the, uh, the sensory sensory. Yes, thank you, Michael. We've got Michael Fairbrother from Moonlight Meadery here in the studio with us, uh, master mead maker out of uh, New Hampshire. Um, would you say your sensory perception of smell is more heightened since you started brewing? Oh, by a long, long shot. Brewing helped. Judging helped even more. And then doing these shows and, like, being put on the spot all the time has got me to, like, a laser focus. I yeah, mean, well, I, 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 I would, I I would hazard a guess, and... Jamil, that uh, diving and paintball didn't do a whole lot for your sense of smell. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> But but a gnat farts in the next room. I'm like ah sulfur. I'm getting sulfur. I don't know where it's coming from. I'm getting sulfur. You know, I'll, I'll like freak people out. I'm like where where is that coming from? They're like what? I'm like oh my god the the, the smoke. They're like what smoke? 
Either I'm having a stroke or I'm smelling things. Uh, it's one yeah. or the other. No, I've found that my sense of smell has really heightened over the last several years as well to the point yes. where it's offensive to smell a lot of perfume or cologne mm-hmm. on somebody. Oh, I, I can't. I I don't use any myself because, you know, I'd, I'd be inundated all day long. I wouldn't be able to smell things. So, yeah. No, it, it's, it's helped me with food. It's helped me with everything. It's uh, It's really great to be able to pick up just some of the most... Subtle little little things so to be, be clean. Don't be stinky. To be to be to, you know to be a, to master your craft well enough to 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 be uh, you know really extremely good at what you do. I tell you, John, we got another friend who's just as good at, at what he does. You know who I'm talking about? I do indeed. Well, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's John John Blickman, right? Right. I think we're I think yeah. we're I think we're, we're on the same we're, page. Yes. I think yes. I, I was going to say I think we're quite out of tune. I think it, this used to go much smoother in the past. <laughs> I don't know if you having a little too much of Kurt's mead. Kurt's yeah, mead. Um, Michael's apple mead. Kurt's apple pie. Kurt's apple pie. Wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, no, uh, Blickman Engineering, uh, our fine sponsor. They make uh, you know some of the greatest uh, products out there. I think they, you know they if really you're do. if you're looking at, well, especially innovative. They're not just cranking out a, yet another you know pot stamped out of you know metal in China. Here you go. They're looking at you know ways of making a brew kettle better, ways of making you know hot back better, ways of making uh, you know. Uh, uh, a, a, a beer, a bottle filler, better. You know, right. how, you know the beer gun. Engineering really yeah. listens to the customers. They listen to the forums. You know, they are well, really trying to oh, bring a product to them. Absolutely, to the, everybody that really works for them. But they brew themselves, and that's one of the reasons they make such innovative products because they're it's coming from a brewer, a home brewer mentality of. You know, I need to make this better. How do I make this this process of brewing better? What's what's the pain point? And we've all had those pain points when we're home brewing, and then they take it further and try and find a solution for you. And the simple solutions better. that are really effective. Right, right. You no, know, that beer gun thing is just just genius. You know, they they do so many great things. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, one of the greatest things they do is they pay for the show, so you don't have to. The least you can do is go to BlickmanEngineering.com. Check out all the goodies there. Email feedback at brewing uh, at blickmanengineering.com and uh, tell them how much you appreciate that you, them paying for the show so you don't have to. Yes, I'm stumbling, Bevo. It's all the mead. <laughs> She's counting. Her it's money. not you. Yeah, I'm judging you quietly. <laughs> well, thank you. But not, you know, if we had a blinds for this window so I didn't have to see you judging me quietly. Sorry, I'll stop. That's okay. Oh, she's rolling her eyes. <laughs> okay, I will turn this way and look at Porno Steve. Thank you very much. Hey, Porno Steve. How's it going? Hey. He doesn't judge me. He, yes, he does. Well, <laughs> well Silently. Yeah. Right. Silently. That's true. All right, so everybody judges me. That's fine. Uh, but check out Blickman Engineering. Check them out. Uh, great stuff there. Great people. Uh, great friends of the show. Today, since we've got Michael here with us, uh, we thought that we would do a Q&A around mead and honey and uh, uh, all that yeah. sort of thing. Meads and ciders. Yeah, it's good to have an expert in the house. Yes. As opposed to usual. Right, know, right. Just the two of us. Uh, the experts two that experts we are. that you are, yes. Right. The definition of expert, you know, has been that uh, drip under pressure, yes. Expert, yes. No? Nobody? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crickets? Yeah. All right. Thank yeah. you very much. All no right. Uh, <laughs> don't try this at home. Don't try this. We are, we are experts. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I, I will I will shut up. You guys can do this whole show on your own. I don't need to be I don't need dragged around with all your trouble making. Okay, fine. I need to reset. I think we take a short break. We come back. <laughs> we'll have questions about me or Michael and John, and I'll just sit quiet the whole night. 
Get him another glass of mead. This is amazing. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all green brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20 gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your Brew Easy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman kettle cart. The Brew Easy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your Brew Easy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new Brew Easy all-grain brewing system. See it today at Blickman BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today the 21st amendment watch out do you like beer they make beer watch out do you like friends and fun they make friends and fun watch do out do you still like to have a good time the 21st amendment watch out the 21st amendment in san francisco located at 563 2nd street two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played try their beers in the pub or try them in the can featuring Monk's blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's blood. The 21st of 
Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back with our good friend Michael Fairbrother of uh, Moonlight Meadery from New Hampshire. All right, Steve, our first question. If you have questions, you can uh, send them to brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and uh, we will, uh, at some point in time, uh, before we die, get to those questions. Although we've been That's doing because right, we're not giving up on this show <laughs> we, anytime soon. We have done much better. I think what will happen is... Like Justin will die, uh, and, uh, like Bevo will run the thing for a few months, and then she'll be like, no, this ain't worth it. And then uh, we'll still be going like, well, we're ready to do shows, and we'll be showing up, and there will be like no brewing network, and we'll still be there. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> I don't really see that happening. Right. The three months of you running it, you're just like, screw that. Evo's yeah. never yeah, giving not, up. Not, not happening. No. Oh, she's given up. I, uh, she's she's persistent. I'm committed. <laughs> she'll be committed. Yeah. And she's much younger than Justin, so it'll you know, right. be a good long run. Considerably healthier also. Considerably ah, better looking go. as well. True. Well, let's hope so. All right. First question. All right. I've been using a Belgium beer yeast strain for everything lately. Beer made cider. Can you talk about how to manipulate a single strain to do slash produce different contribution flavors to a batch? How to use one strain and get different results. I really like my strain, and I know you use one single strain in all your meads. Well, um, the easy question, answer to that question is temperature control, mm-hmm. uh, nutrients, mm-hmm. and oxygen levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing your yeast strain and knowing what its parameters are, you can then push it to different characteristics that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So for the yeast that... Um, the listener was mentioning Lavalin 71B. It likes a fairly high uh, nutrient content. Um, likes a pretty stable uh, temperature profile to work with. Mm-hmm. And it's normally good for about 12-13% alcohol. Mm-hmm. But we've been able to push that up to 16-17% mm-hmm. by working within the parameters that we have. Well, so you, you normally use wine yeast then, Michael? That's exclusively what we use for all the meads and ciders we make. Okay. Well, and, you know, one of the things I think, um, you know, I think it's great to, to push yeast to, to have different characteristics. I think the, the, the one thing to be careful of is pushing them to a point where you're stressing them where they produce undesirable flavors like That's sulfur. That's a good point. Or pushing them to a point where they don't attenuate uh, well enough anymore and you end up with something that just feels unfermented. I think that's less of an issue with mead than it is with beer. When 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 wort goes unfermented, it has that worty, uncooked, unfinished kind of character to it. But with honey, I think um, it's less of an issue. I mean, you get sweetness, uh, sort of. but but you don't get kind of like an unfermented honey flavor. So or? for well, don't ever back sweeten your meads with honey because then you get the raw honey note to it. Mm. Um, but when, like in winter in New England, it's pretty cold for us, and we don't have a heater built into our glycol unit, so we we're really at the mercy of what the temperature of our facility is, and 25 foot ha- tall ceilings with a little space heater at the top of the unit. Extremely expensive way to heat your facility <laughs> and try to manage the temperature of your meads. Do you have to go out every day and rub your units to help warm them up? <laughs> I check them to make sure they fit nice and snug, yes. Oh, okay. uh, but um, back to your question at hand, uh, or that's not the right pun. Um, <laughs> so temperature-wise, if it's cold, it tends to uh, shrink the fermentation. So it doesn't ferment as well and attenuate to where you might like it to finish at. Mm-hmm. So if you want a happy ending... You want to keep the temperature and the, um, how do I want to say this, in the optimum 
uh, satisfaction range to get the results you're looking for. There you go. Bevo's blushing, by the way. (laughs) I tapped out. I can't. (laughs) I quit. If you you want the ultimate satisfaction, I'll tell you what you should do is check out uh, the Sour Hour. I I sat in on the Sour I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought, uh, you know, a bunch of clever clever folks uh, really talking in detail about um, all the little aspects of making sours. If you're interested in sours... I, I cannot recommend a better resource. Um, well, Michael Tonsmeyer's book, American Sours, is pretty excellent. But uh, uh, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. But, you know, the Sour Hour puts it in approachable, uh, easy-to-understand format, and it's free. You check it out, brewingnetwork.com. There's a lot of great shows there. The Sunday Session, uh, Brewing with Style, Dr. Homebrew, and the Sour Hour. Check them all out. Uh, good stuff you can learn from every one of those shows. If you enjoy learning on, the, on Brew Strong... Well, that's your best show to listen to. But uh, those other ones are not so bad either. I would check them out <laughs> uh, as soon there as you can. There you go. All right. Well, and, um, yeah, I would, uh, beer-wise, on, on a Belgian yeast, I think, um, you know, you can mess around with the pitch levels. Now, mm-hmm. we're not talking about getting to a point where you're, you're, you're not pitching enough that uh, the yeast can't grow to fully attenuate the batch. But we're talking about you know reducing your pitching rate to a point where there is more growth or uh, you know there is a little bit more for each cell to do and you, you get to that point you get different flavors out of it and people say well you know should I underpitch my yeast you know that's what you know they talk about for things like uh, you know German hefeweizen and things like that like no 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 yeah. you never want to underpitch your yeast the, the definition of underpitching is you didn't pitch enough. Right now, if you're adjusting your rate down and getting the flavor you want, and still getting good attenuation and good good overall character, that's the proper pitching rate. It's less than some other pitching rates that you might want, or you might increase it to get a different character. And, um, and I look at yeast as the canvas to which I paint the flavors on. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. for whether it's beer or or meat or cider, it's a question of what am I trying to achieve, right? And the yeast is the platform from which I can build upon that. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to use the same, like the listener asked, uh, what type of same yeast for different things, okay, your yeast is your starting point. If mm-hmm. you understand that yeast, then you can build upon its strengths to make the best beverage, whether it's beer, meat, or cider, that you would like to from that particular strain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and like we were talking about, we were doing a collaboration earlier today, our bloody bee, which is a, a, Damn, a big twenty percent. Well, that's what we're shooting for: twenty percent uh, uh, Belgian golden with uh, blood orange and uh, oh, uh, orange blossom honey. Orange blossom honey. Um, you know, our our first conversation was all right. Yeast. You know, <laughs> what kind of yeast we use? Why are we using it? What's what's our approach to fermenting this? You know, what kind of character is that going to give? That was you know probably. Uh, you know, our most important conversation, you know, um, but. And so when we're to having that conversation about whether it's going to be a, a Belgian yeast, or whether it's going to be uh, a distiller's yeast or a wine yeast, we were looking at what were the characteristics that the yeast is going to contribute. Mm-hmm. So Jamil and I were both trying to figure out what is the canvas from where we're starting from mm-hmm. and what are we trying to achieve? And we had kind of locked in some of our other components. And so. We wanted to see how that played with those other components. But we didn't want it to step on those either, right? right. So we didn't want right. to lose that orange blossom or the blood mm-hmm. orange notes mm-hmm. or the you know the characteristics that we're trying to hold through for mm-hmm. to make this ragged. Exactly. Right. John, you snoring? No, no. <laughs> I'm thinking, thinking deeply. Um, I mean, do you, Michael, do you have experience with, like, distiller's yeast? Have you, uh, have you brewed meads? With uh, say beer yeasts or distillers yeasts, and what what characters do those uh, generally give? So I've brewed mead with every kind of yeast but distillers yeast. So I okay. have no experience with distillers yeast. I've made um, beer and meads with uh, Fleischmann's bread yeast uh, and everything in between. So I can say that when I finally picked a style of yeast and wanted to make it where I go from for every single batch. Mm-hmm. is when I really change the corner. 
So I used to flip between Lavalin D70 or 47D and 71B quite a bit. And I'd play jar. around with um, dry yeast strains that are wine strains. Um, okay. I don't know wine wine yeasts at all. So Okay. Um, uh, well, 71B is from Narrowbone, France. kind of isolated for really soft, uh, fruity uh, characteristics. And okay. I can't tell you all that much about 47D. Um, but those two are the ones that I hear the most in the mead world that I work in, uh, mm-hmm. of ones that people use. There's commercially available yeast from White Labs and, and um, uh, Y yeast that have specific strains. Again, I've used them in the past. I don't put a lot of uh, attention into them because we use an awful lot of mead or yeast, and we want consistency. Well, so, and you know, I, I I think you know one of the differences between using uh, beer yeast and a wine yeast for mead, and I've tried both as well. Um, the problem with a beer yeast is that it it seems not bright enough. I don't think it generates as much acidity as the wine yeast yeah, do. And, and so the maltose levels that are in honey, and there are some, is minuscule compared to what you'd find in a beer. So your yeast strains have really been kind of cultivated for what they're really good at. Mm-hmm. And so if you're taking a, a maltose-based mead, you know, like a beer meat yeast, and trying to make a, a, a mead from it, it doesn't have a lot of what it's looking for. So right. you want to bring the guy that wants to eat at a buffet to a buffet table and not take him to a French gourmet restaurant. You know, it's a different level of expectation on both the consumer and the establishment for who's going to enjoy what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, uh, uh, me or honey is mostly fructose, Correct. which is a monosaccharide, uh, as opposed to also, maltose, which is a disaccharide. Like wine grapes are also mostly fructose. Fructose. Yes. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, next question, Porno Steve. All right. Jamil, John, and the rest of the Brewing brewing Network, thanks for years' worth of free knowledge. My brewing has improved tenfold. However, my wife and kids Decades. think I need another Decades. hobby other than listening to the Brewing Network. I disagree. Years' worth. Decades' worth. Decade Decades worth. Decades' worth of free knowledge. Decade' worth. Decade. Singular. Deca? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I make mostly meads and ciders because my LHBS is run by an idiot, and he Local won't order home anything. Local shop, LHBS. A northern brewer wow. will ship to Canada. we got to get Steve all trained up. You should, like, annotate Look. these before I, I read them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's much more funny to uh, just uh, read them. Live. Okay. Yes. Okay. LHBS. It's time Local for me to step shop. up my game. Yes. Um, wow, this guy's really fun. Did he write that? Or did you, he's he's reading. You. He's reading all. This is his writing. Oh, I thought you needed. Just wait to until the next sentence. Yeah. As much as I like to spice things up in the bedroom, <laughs> I really want to spice things up in my fermenter first. The problem is, I really don't know how to do it. I was hoping Bruce Strong could show do a show on spicing, i.e., how to spice, when to spice, how much, and what yeests go best with spicing and what strains to avoid. I would be curious as well to know about spiceability. Thanks. How many times do you use spice in that paragraph? Uh, like five or six. Uh, Michael, you make uh, some spiced meats? Uh, we do, actually. And uh, we've won gold medal back-to-back at the International Mazer Cup for two of our spiced methaglins. So what I've been able to ascertain is that you don't want to hammer it home. You don't want to overbuild mm-hmm. your spices. You want it to be subtle, but yet affirming of where they are so that your brain can really kind of piece in the gaps. What I find works best is you need a a fairly sweet mead. The drier the mead, the less it's going to support the spices. And then you'd never want to add your spices in primary. You want to add your spices in uh, post-fermentation so that you can control the amount of time that the spice is sitting on on the mead to to get the flavor to where you like it to get to. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a cold spicing then. Yeah, almost like dry hopping. Um, okay. So, like, we make a three-pepper mead called Fury, which is ghost peppers, habanero peppers, and Trinidad Magoo scorpion peppers. And we let the mead settle, and it's an orange blossom-based mead, um, on the peppers for 72 hours. So I tasted the mead every 12 hours to kind of figure out where the heat level index was, 
where the flavor was and, and aroma. And at 72 hours, I said, okay, enough. We want to take this out of here and let the, you know, rack this off and, and, and bottle it. And we did that, and it took a gold this past year. Now, we also make a mead, which is called Wicked, which is ginger and vanilla. And the same kind of strategy holds through, which is 72 hours on the ginger and vanilla. And we never slice our vanilla beans in half or scrape them or any of that kind of stuff. It's just vanilla beans go in. And the ginger, same thing. We don't pulverize it or, you know, we're buying um, dried ginger. And, you know, so we can measure the quantity that we're putting in. And so for like a a 16 or 60 gallon batch you know we're using about four ounces of dried ginger and 12 vanilla beans in this example for the wicked and at 72 hours you get the ginger in the aroma and flavor you get the vanilla and then you get the honey and so all those three flavors and and wicked has won two years in a row um at the international maser contest and my friends love to tell me i only took a bronze this year but Fury took gold, so two of the top three in the world were mine. Um, There's something to it, which is get your mead to where you like it to be so it's delicious and tasty, and then figure out your spicing of where you want to go to, and then probably sample it along the way to to see where you're going to go. I never uh, use cloves in my mead Mm because I don't like the way clove represents itself. Um, And I've been asked for five years in a row to make a pumpkin mead. And I just won't do it um, because I'm not a fan of cloves and, and honey. But, you know, maybe if I alleviate the clove and go with a, a, a ginger nutmeg or cinnamon yeah, type all of spice. thing. Yeah, allspice. Allspice. Um, I can get the flavor concept of a pumpkin or eggnog mm-hmm. type of mead. But, you know, the key is balance of, of your flavor. And what I've seen when I try to make drier meads is customers' reactions which is, yeah, all right, that's that's nice, and mm-hmm. I like it, but they weren't buying it. And when I bumped the sweetness level up to support the spices, because honey, mm-hmm. honey's kind of like this glue element, right? It's kind of like vanilla. When you make a chocolate cake, you add a little vanilla to it, which really kind of glues the, the chocolate flavors together, and it, it makes it a little softer and a little more approachable. So the honey is that same kind of elevator status. Mm-hmm. So if you want that spice, like an art, our fury has liftoff. I mean, that spice goes up quick, and you think, oh, my God, this thing's going to burn the daylights out of me. And then it crashes, and all that honey comes in mm-hmm. and takes away that heat. Sweetness. So you get that liftoff really quick, and then the splash of the honey, and it's just so damn drinkable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had some jalapeno or habanero beers that just get way over the top really quickly, and you can't figure out what are you going to do with this. I mean... If you yeah. you know really well, like it hot, that's possible. Yeah. But you know, for somebody like me in New England, where you know hot is like mild salsa on mm-hmm. on nachos, you know, we're pretty timid up that way. I think uh, you know, I I agree with a lot of that. I, I think uh, you know the sweetness is an important part when you're, especially when you're working with a, a flavor that people conceive of as sweet. Like vanilla is conceived of as a sweet flavor. Um, so you need the sweetness, residual sweetness to carry it. Chocolate is the same way. A lot of these flavors need that that residual sweetness to really give the person the impression that it exists. I think when you're going in the drier realm of beers, um, I would I would say uh, you want to go with uh, something that is is conceived of as refreshing. So, like if you're looking for um, now let's mix vegetables in there. You're looking like cucumber. Cucumber is a refreshing vegetable, right? So you want a drier beer, refreshing, and you want to put something with with the drier beer. You go refreshing. If you go something too hot and spicy, or or something that's should be perceived of as sweet, and you put that in a dry beer, it just doesn't work. It's like vanilla in a super dry beer does not oh, taste like yeah. vanilla. It, Have you tried like a, a cucumber beer? Uh, I've I've tried a number of cucumber beers, believe it or not. It's really quite the thing now. Wow! Hey, with the hipster crowd, right, Steve? We Look just at had, how I'm we so sheltered. Had one on tap like uh, <laughs> two months ago. It was from um, 
Flat Tail Brewing. Right. There you Out go. from Gravels. There's a, a lot, lot, of, lot of cucumber. My wife will tell you a story of the time I saw this, what looked like I thought were limes in this water jug in the hotel lobby. Uh-huh. And so I pour myself a glass expecting lime, and I got a mouthful of cucumber <laughs> juice. And, uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound right it, on this it's, show. It's all popular. <laughs> if you're not prepared for it, it's right. unpleasant. But uh, I, I think, you know, you need to uh, you know have a mindset of the concept of what you're doing. As far as yeasts go, I would say that, uh, you know, when you're when you're looking at the spicy yeasts, you're looking at the Belgians, things like that, um, you need to avoid putting spice with spice. Or if you're doing it, it needs to be complementary. It can't be overwhelming. If you're doing something very a dry, a yeast that will dry the beer out and make the beer very dry and, and, and an open thing, you need to, again, go refreshing or, you know, tend towards the sweeter. Yeah, and that's uh, why I was saying take your spices in after. So whether you're making a beer or a um, mead or even a cider that is going to be spiced, do so after fermentation so you know where you're starting from. Mm-hmm. And then use your mind to help you guide of where where you're looking to go. And then you can do what a chef does, which is taste as you make this so you can get it to where you want it to be. Right. Yeah. There you go. Michael, I'm drinking the Kurtz apple pie right now. And this has a really nice, soft spice level to it. Do you do you use uh, what what spices do you use in this particular? Meat? So that's uh, Vietnamese cinnamon and Madagascar bourbon vanilla beans. Okay. And the specificity on the the ingredients matters because traditional store bought cinnamon isn't from a cinnamon tree, so it's it's um, a different uh, type of cinnamon. Type yeah. of cinnamon doesn't have the uh, right level of cinnamon oil to give you that flavor profile. And so with Vietnamese cinnamon, you can use 10 times less and get 10 times more flavor. And so for us on a five-gallon batch, I believe you're looking at like a teaspoon of uh, Vietnamese cinnamon and maybe three vanilla beans in that five-gallon batch. And that's then aged. You know, Usually for us, we're aging our, our Kurtz apple pie for several months, um, mostly because we make it here in the fall in New England. And we're looking to bottle it sometime in the, the early uh, March, May time frame. So, you know, we're getting several months on that flavor. But, you know, we find that the cinnamon and vanilla really help age and um, complement the, the notes of the apple and the honey. Yeah, yeah. I, I taste that. Okay, great. Let's take a uh, short break. When we come back, we'll have more questions right after this. Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craft craftbeer.com and click on beer styles to start the guide plus enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com the brewers banter blogs beer education how to host a beer tasting and the invaluable draft quality manual tons of great content that makes your beer better visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion camaraderie and creativity of the craft beer community craftbeer.com celebrating the best of american beer A few things happened 30 years ago. Arfanet migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit at the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. 
Glickman Engineering is proud to announce the launch of a completely new brand of brewing equipment. Kettles, burners, and accessories. Trustworthy, everyday gear that helps you forge and shape outstanding beer the way you want. It's called Anvil Brewing Equipment. Hi, I'm John Palmer. You may remember me from such self-help books as How to Brew, Brewing Classic Styles, Water, and the Brew Strong Podcast. I am very pleased to announce the debut of Anvil Brewing Products from Blickman Engineering. I have been working closely with them these past few years to develop products that combine the best of materials, features, and price point. Each of these products has been developed, tested, and reviewed to meet these ideals and bears the Palmer Brewing Solutions stamp of approval on the packaging. Anvil Brewing Products, inspired by Palmer, built by Blickman, and made for you. Check out anvilbrewing.com. Anvil. Durable. Reliable. Dependable. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. There are two types of people in the world, naughty and nice. Grogtag is letting you tell it like it is with their naughty or nice labels for the holidays. Grandma getting you down? Slap a naughty label on that four-year-old pale ale and put it under the tree. Did your Uncle Sal add you to his will? Well, he deserves your freshest batch of IPA with a custom nice label. Pick up one set of each and take 25% off your order by either entering code NAUGHTY or NICE at checkout. We all know how much beer you have to get rid of, so why not make it look good? Go find them at grogtag.com and don't forget to sign up for their newsletter to learn about their upcoming Black Friday sale and the Gifting with Grogtag 12-day sale during Christmas. Grogtag. At least your beer will look good. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Me, it'll make you do that, I think. It'll make you say, woohoo. You know what will also make me say, woohoo, is this. Uh, this uh, I dip uh, water tester seems pretty cool, pretty pretty easy, pretty simple for uh, those who you know you don't want to do uh, math, you don't want to uh, you know get into the the, the, the titration. Uh, you know you dip the strip, you you do the, uh, the 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 reading on the strip. Couldn't be simpler, and does things like uh, total alkalinity, chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfite, and uh, or sulfate, and and a bunch more. Um, in fact, there's over uh, 35 different water tests and uh, four come preloaded. Uh, it's an app that uh, links the device to your, your smartphone using Bluetooth, and uh, you can uh, get those results instantly. You can email them to a friend. You can share them with your, your uh, brew club. I mean, very cool. Uh, you can get that at uh, www.smartbrewkit.com. Enter the code uh, TBN15 right now to receive free shipping and a bottle of reagent. Uh, all for free. That's a $70 value right there from using uh, the Brewing Network uh, code TBN15. So check it out, smartbrewkit.com. All right, what's our next question there, Steve? All right. Got one from John. He says, I've listened to your meat show a couple times now and did the orange blossom vanilla mead you described in one of the shows. Uh, he followed every step to the T, except he resized everything for three gallons instead of five gallons for money reasons. 
Uh, in the show, you kind of glanced over it, but I thought I heard you say the final gravity would be approximately 1.028. My version got stuck at 1.048 and is pretty sweet. Not cloying, though. I bought a single pack of uh, Lalvin EC1118, rehydrated it, and tossed it in with some more nutrients. It went nowhere and is still at 1.048. Well, that's because just tossing more yeast into something that's almost uh, alcohol, lots of alcohol and very little nutrient, very little sugar, is not going to do anything. Yeah, and it depends on what the pH is. Yeah, mm-hmm. the pH is dropped. I mean, there's just so many, so many factors that make that just not working. You got to start with good yeast. Time might help because we've had batches of mead that um, I've made very, very small batches that have taken well over a year and a half to get to finish. Um, mostly because of the pH window that can change on a, on a mead. Uh, he just asks, is that final gravity okay for that certain category example, or is that his final gravity sweet in the, yeah, in the right. sweet, yeah, that's well, what he asked. You know, it's going to depend on the what it balance. tastes like. Right, so if it, if it tastes, you know, absolutely fantastic, oh, this is one of the best sweet meads I've ever had, well, then the answer is yes. Mm. Don't let the numbers... You know, drive what you, what you're doing. You know, the numbers are a guide as to repeatability, but they are not the end all be all as to flavor. Numbers do not speak to flavor. Flavor can be, you know, you can't necessarily dr- describe flavor by by numbers. An acid balance would help whether um, your mm-hmm. mead was cloying and you needed to bring it down. You could adjust the pH of that to to get it to a level where you think it's better mm-hmm. um and well, i would do small test come to batches that, michael i mean what uh what is the ph of some of your meads i mean for comparison uh they range usually about three around three three okay. 2.57 up to three point something not usually above four yeah see now that's all that's quite different from most beers really which you tend to be over four yeah you know, low fours yeah, four to four point four kind of thing. Four point five maybe. Get, it got above a four making a mead, you got stability challenges with it going mm-hmm. to um you know, you can't use sulfites or sorbates at that point to really kind of get it into line uh for not refermenting in the bottle. Well that's why yeah. I say, you know, the uh the wine yeasts tend to produce more acid. Yeah. Uh, the honey has very little buffering capacity for acidity. I was and gonna so, comment there uh, with that statement, Jamil. Um in terms of the wine yeast tend to produce more acid, mm-hmm. it's they, I want to clarify that they these yeasts don't actually produce a, acid mm-hmm. like say you know pediococcus or right, uh, right, right. Yeah, lactobacillus. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What they're doing is they are excreting more protons during the fermentation mm-hmm. process, which is lowering the acidity or lowering the pH mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the mead or the right. wine. As opposed to actually creating acid, exactly, and what, it, it it results in a more acidic uh, yes. beverage. Yes, it would be more accurate. Yes, and Thank honey you, by itself has got a ton of buffering capacity. So if you try to adjust your mead with a um, you know starting fermentation pH with uh, either a, a acid or a, a base, it's going to you know look like it's dipping down, but it's going to come right back. So it takes a persistently long adjustment to get it to kind of go into a new uh, position. That's where, you know, like I said, I got this one mead that I made, you know, kind of using what I call the caveman technique, mm-hmm. which is it was just honey, water, a little yeah. yeast added, and we didn't stir it up. And we let the yeast do the mixing. But but the, 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 the I think the what I'm talking about is, uh, you know, the honey almost completely ferments out. There's mm-hmm. very little residual honey there. The buffering capacity, once fermentation is done, is gone. gone. Now, when you start out, there perhaps is good buffering capacity. But I believe that that is, is gone by the time you, you, you reach terminal. Yeah, and, which, again, results in a uh, you know, more acidic final product, or more, more, you know, a lower pH product uh, in the end. And I think that that is the key to... You know, uh, you know, quality mead and, you know, great fermentation. If you end up, like you're saying, with a higher pH, either you haven't attenuated out enough of the honey 
or you used a yeast that that perhaps is not uh, producing uh, you know the uh, the drop in pH that that's desired. Right, and and so the, and with this questioner's question, you know is is well, I forget the number he gave us, but is that sweetness level too sweet? Mm-hmm. So ten forty eight is like what four bricks? No. Uh, 10 bricks. 12. Yeah, 10 12, to 12 yeah. bricks. Yeah. So that's pretty sweet, but not super sweet. I mean, I've had people enter meads in competition that are close to 20 bricks. Ugh. That's sweet. Right. It's like they didn't ferment them at all or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll mix some honey with some water. How does that taste? How's my mead? Like honey. Yes. Now he had one little question at the very end. Um when you put the vanilla bean in, would, he, would that help counter sweetness? Not really. No. I mean, a vanilla bean isn't really uh, a sweet. acidic or yeah. spicy. Or, and vanilla beans by themselves are really not that sweet. Like it'll, it'll give some dimension to the sweetness. Right. But, yeah, exactly. I think. But, you know, that's, that's the thing is... Um, like we were saying earlier, you need sweetness to, to make vanilla really seem like vanilla. Mm-hmm. And vanilla also works really well with other ingredients. Now, we do make a mead that's just vanilla and honey-based, and we don't add any tannins to it. And it does come out tasting quite delicious, but you need the sweetness to support the vanilla in this case. Mm-hmm. I would I would say to this, this person... Um, you know, I would check your initial fermentation, your initial nutrients, your initial oxygen, you know, maybe staggered nutrient additions throughout the, the ferment as well. And uh, I would guess the yeast wasn't able to uh, accomplish the job that you were trying to achieve. Right. So, so higher pitching rate then? or Yeah. So you probably your nutrient levels were too low and your pitching rate was too low. So if you're spending the first three days focusing on yeast management and growth, then you've got a much better chance of getting to the end result you're looking for. How much yeast are you using uh, for for a mead? Dry, your dry yeast, your 71B. How much? How much are you? Essentially, in that? one gram per gallon for dry. Okay. And then we rehydrate that and stagger the nutrients every 24 hours for the first three days. There you go. There's your answer. All right. One more question, and then we're going to take a break. All right. Um. What's the best way to grow mead or wine yeast from a small test tube size for pitching in mead? I use Y yeast smack packs because that's what my local homebrew store carries. For beer yeast, I usually split the packs into a few test tubes and then grow yeast up in flasks of DME wort at about 1.040, stepping up in volumes of 100 milliliters to 500 milliliters to 2 to 5 liters depending on requirements. This last size is, size is usually the finished wort pitched near correct pitching temps and added to the full batch does mead or wine yeast need to be treated differently i currently have test tubes of 4184 sweet mead and 4783 rudesheimer and would like to propagate them up to 20 liters batch size amounts well, I, I think it's important to um you know if you're propagating beer yeast i think it's important to provide the maltose so they don't lose the uh, ability to Produce the enzyme that will allow them to consume maltose. But I think generally, uh, as a rule of thumb, whatever you're targeting your yeast to consume, in this case fructose, um, you'd probably grow them up on fructose. I would use honey to grow yeast for for mead. I think that's ideal. When we're taking that uh, 500-gram pack to make a 500-gallon batch, we're we're making a 5-gallon slurry um, at about... 1030 uh, or 1.030 starting gravity uh, with some honey to let that yeast, after it's been rehydrated, go to work, proof that it's fermenting or mm-hmm. capable of growth. And then we pitch that, that into our batch. And we're looking at about a two hour window from start to finish on that, you know, rehydration, proofing, and pitch uh, to get that batch ready to go into production. Mm-hmm. Now, what level or what what kind of nutrients and how much nutrient are you pitching during this three-day fermentation? So we use GoFirm for rehydration, and then we use Fermade K. Uh, There's a couple different variants of Fermade, um, but Fermade K is a combination of uh, 
some organic nutrients or nitrogen as well as some DAP. And we find that that works fairly well for us. Uh, so it's got some yeast sterols and, and some other uh, components that really kind of help fortify that outer shell of the yeast so that they're really in the, the capacity to, to multiply. Yeah. Now, the DAP is diammonium phosphate and not necessarily a wall spackling compound, correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't use joint compound in my uh, yeast production facilities. <laughs> but, yeah, so diammonium phosphate gives you a, a strong ammonia uh, type of aroma. So that's why we don't use DAP straight. Um, we do use it with a Fermade K. Uh, if you wanted to go with an organic option, that's where Fermade O comes from. And I can't remember off the top of my head what Fermade A, I think it's A, stands for. So uh, a lot of times you see use urea as, as part of the, uh, you know, where that comes from, I'm saying. Yep, that's more diammonium phosphate. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap up with a few of your questions right after this. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. about White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast. Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, FlexCell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Enjoying a Q&A session on meads and honeys and things like that with uh, our good friend Michael Fairbrother from Moonlight Meadery in New Hampshire. John, let me let me ask you a question. Um, okay. Are you getting enough? Yeah, I, I consider I'm getting enough sleep. Um, 
Oh, I it's, bet you'd uh, love more, right? Yeah, yeah. Some, well, Adam and Eve wants to give you more. I'm telling you, if you go to Adam and Eve right now, adamandeve.com, you use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com, you're going to get 10 free gifts. First off, you're going to get a sexy surprise for her. Okay. Second, a specially selected toy for, for him. And third... A little something we know you're both going to enjoy. Plus, you're going to get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And I'll tell you, one of the categories is got Porno Steve in it. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Boom. Wow, wow. Uh, if you want to see Porno Steve on, on DVD. Um <laughs> And get free shipping on your entire room. <laughs> you missed I mean, that. That was Bevo saying no from the other room. On your, get her in free shipping on your entire order. Then go to adamandeve.com. Use that offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. All right. Let's get to our final steps, uh, question there, Steve. All right. That's from Zach. Says, hi guys, I was listening to the session and mead making was the topic. I've been getting into mead making on my second batch. The owner of Melovino said that he uses reverse osmosis water. I'd remembered reading an article about the health effects of humans drinking mineral depleted water. The consensus is that it is not all that good for you. Do you think that this is a potential problem for reverse osmosis water, mead, or not? No. All right. I'd also say no. <laughs> I would agree with the consensus of no. So honey has a lot of mineral contents. Yeah, Yeah, there's there's ash content to to honey. There's all sorts of things. The bees are out, you know... They aren't the cleanest of, of, of critters, I think. You know, they're out. uh, They're they're rummaging around in the forest. They are... uh, Sucking the nectar out of the flowers. Sucking nectar out of flowers. They're, 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 They're flying through polluted air. And, um, you know, God knows what's clinging to them little bastards when they, they vomit up the, uh, the stuff. To, and they do uh, that multiple make, times. So <laughs> they vomit from one to the other and then back. Right, right. Cross vomiting. Cross vomiting. Uh, that's Steve's latest uh, DVD, in case you're, in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, so, and, and not to make it sound disgusting, but. Uh, honey does contain a lot of nutrients, a lot of uh, minerals, a lot of salts, a lot of uh, other stuff. Not uh, like the Dead Sea, but it's got uh, you know its own balance to yeah, it. Yeah, darker the honey, the higher the metal content is of that honey. Mm. So I don't know if it's why I don't like darker honey meads uh, per se. I've used one dark honey that I've really enjoyed, which is uh, Arizona Wild uh, Pecan Blossom <laughs> honey, but for the most part. The darker the honey, the less I tend to like it when it's fermented through. I think it's that mineral content that you get that really doesn't work that well. Do you think those darker honeys would be better served to use an RO water or a distilled water? I haven't tried that. That might help. I have no idea that could be. You know, reduce the overall mineral content. Do you think well, there's a in terms of flavor, I mean, building off of beer flavor and minerals and salts and, and water, uh, that I'd say there's a potential there, yes. But, you know, in terms of the health risks or the health um, degradation due to drinking RO water, you're not going to be drinking enough mead to be, for that to be a factor. Well, I think the worry you drink was enough water with it's going to be a factor. Right, yeah. I mean, well, you, yeah, if, you, you, drink, if you drink RO right. water exclusively, yes, it will start uh, deep, you know, pulling the minerals out of your out of your body. So like so, forgo beer, forgo wine, forgo mead. <laughs> so yeah. seriously, come on, who right. does that? Right. That that'll it, you should die then. So we're saying maybe um, if you live on mead, it right. might be a problem. No, no, no. I think that the, the, the listener's question was, now how would this perhaps apply to yeast? Now, if you were growing up yeast with no mineral content in, in distilled water and you were not providing yeah. the necessary minerals and nutrients that the yeast need for proper uh, you know, cell division and uh, 
you know, the the cell walls and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to mess up the yeast. They're not going to produce the right flavors. They're going to actually have some troubles. And if I was to speculate what but, Sergio was talking about when he was talking about using uh, reverse de- uh, RO water, mm-hmm. is he's trying to get it to a nice clean state to start from. Right. So your nutrients that you're adding to get the yeast going is chock full of nitrogen, mm-hmm. which is going to add nutrients to your to your water right back in to start with. Right, right. And and the the mineral contents. I I suppose if you had a super light mead with very low mineral content, um, you know you, you're adding your your nutrients and your minerals and all that as well. You know for for uh, uh, supporting uh, yeast health. Anyways, I mean you want to add some zinc. You want to add, uh, you know. Uh, your free amino nitrogen, uh, you know, all that is an important part of making mead, making beers. So I, and, I think, and, you know, just off of that, you, sh- you should be fine. And Melovino really is making some really world-class meads. So I've had Sergio's meads many times before. And um, he's really got a clean, you know, kind of a command of a flavor profile similar to what we're doing, which is not trying to make a lower ABV mead, but trying to make something big and bodied. Mm-hmm. That has a lot of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Great answers. Thank you, Michael, for, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you having you here. Yeah. Nice to see you guys and talk shows. to you again. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll do this again next year. What's our what's our, our collaboration going to be next year, Michael? I was thinking <laughs> Evil B 2.0. Evil B 2.0. <laughs> look for it in stores. You won't find it there, but look for it anyways. Uh, also, look for our fine sponsors. Look for Blickman Engineering at BlickmanEngineering.com. Look, at them, uh, look for them at your local homebrew shop. Uh, make sure to tell them how much you appreciate that they pay for the show so you don't have to. Email them at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. That's going to keep this show on the air, and uh, we would appreciate that as well because we have nowhere else to go and drink. <laughs> if you like the Brewing Network, check out all the other shows and go to uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. And at the store, you can get all sorts of goodies there. You can get shirts, hats, hoodies, uh, pants, uh, shoes. They've got it all. Bebo's um, Bebo's agreeing with me. They've got it all. And everything you buy there, uh, the profits go directly to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and keep shows like this on the air. Until then, everybody, I'm Bruce Strong. Yeah. Bruce Strong, everyone. 